Open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The Lord shall bring thee into the land flowing with milk and honey. Alleluia. That the Lord's law may be in thy mouth. Alleluia. Alleluia. O give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. He is the Lord our God. He hath remembered his covenant forever. For he remembered his holy promise, and he brought forth his people with joy. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The Lord shall bring thee into the land flowing with milk and honey. Alleluia! That the Lord's law may be in thy mouth. Alleluia! Alleluia! The Old Testament lesson for the Monday after Easter is written in the 15th chapter of Exodus, beginning at the first verse. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he is become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered up. The flood stood upright as an heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Thou stretchest out thy right hand. The earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold in the inhabitants of Palestina. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed. Then mighty men of Moab, trembling, shall take hold upon them. All the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine army they shall be as still as a stone. Till thy people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over which thou hast purchased. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance. In the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in. In the sanctuary, O Lord, 
which thy hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the tenth chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, beginning at the thirty-fourth verse. Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I perceive that God doesn't show favoritism, but in every nation he who fears him and works righteousness is acceptable to him. The word which he sent to the children of Israel, preaching good news of peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism which John preached, even Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they also killed, hanging him on a tree. God raised him up the third day and gave him to be revealed, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen before by God, to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that this is he who is appointed by God as the judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that through his name everyone who believes in him will receive remission of sins. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, did not our heart burn within us when he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Behold, two of the disciples were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was sixty stadia from Jerusalem. They talked with each other about all of these things which had happened. While they talked and questioned together, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He said to them, What are you talking about as you walk and are sad? One of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things which have happened there in these days? He said to them, What things? They said to him, The things concerning Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who would redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Also, certain women of our company amazed us, having arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, who said that he was alive. Some of us went to the tomb and found it just like the women had said, but they didn't see him. He said to them, Foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Didn't the Christ have to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Beginning from Moses and from all the prophets, he explained to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. 
They came near to the village where they were going, and he acted like he would go further. They urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is almost evening and the day is almost over. He went in to stay with them. When he had sat down at the table with them, he took the bread and gave thanks. Breaking it, he gave it to them. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, then he vanished out of their sight. They said to one another, Weren't our hearts burning within us while he spoke to us along the way, and while he opened the scriptures to us? They rose up that very hour, returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together, and those who were with him, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. They related the things that happened along the way, and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. In that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Alleluia, alleluia. Christ was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. In that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Alleluia. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. In that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Alleluia. The following is my very first sermon that was given at Christ the King, based on the gospel text today. The sermon is unchanged from when I delivered it then. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, you all seem rather excited this morning. Now, why would that be? Perhaps it's returning to the 9 o'clock service time. Perhaps it's that we're starting Bible study later this morning. Perhaps it's that you finally have your own called pastor right here giving you absolution, preaching the word, leading you in prayers, and serving the supper. But really, it's all of that, isn't it? It's been a long, long way to this morning, hasn't it? And I'm not just speaking about the past year or so, although that was long enough. Looking over your history, I've noticed that before me, you've had at least eight pastors over the last 16 years, which averages to about at least one ev- new face about every two years. And 16 years is a lot. With times of hope and times of despair, with times of joy and times of suffering, with times of love and times of loneliness. And through all those times, there was change and more change and more change. And here we are your ninth face, in 16 years. So, of course, you're all excited that this morning you finally get to hear your new pastor preach because you know he's from Iowa originally, which means he's back home, because you know he has young children and wants to stick around for a long time and raise them here. Not only do you have a new pastor, but with him there may may finally be stability. And I get it. My family and I, we get it. For 15 years, I've desired to enter the ministry. For over seven years, since my wife and I have been together, she's waited for us to get to this point. And my children, they've waited their whole lives to get here. God willing, we do want to be here for years and years. Because after many moves and children and so much change for us, we want stability too. A house, a home, a church body, a community to call our own. So we're excited too. It's no wonder then why everyone is excited this morning. Which makes the gospel text and hymns kind of confusing, doesn't it? 
So why, during this excitement, are we reading about disciples who were depressed about Jesus being crucified? Why, when all of you have so many smiles on your faces, does your new pastor have you singing hymns with lines like, Who are you who walk in sorrow? The readings, everything, doesn't really seem to fit the occasion, does it? Well, let's look at the text. In the text, it is the day of the resurrection, Easter day. The women had already been to the tomb. Peter had already seen the empty tomb. And these two disciples are leaving Jerusalem. We're not sure who they are. Cleopas may have been Jesus' uncle through Joseph. The unnamed disciple could have been Luke or another early church figure, but we don't know. Regardless, these are two disciples leaving Jerusalem for Emmaus. Because now that Jesus has been crucified and died, what were these disciples supposed to do? Why stay? They thought Jesus was gone. What more was keeping them there in Jerusalem? So as they start their journey, they talk. But this is no simple casual conversation. They're having a lively discussion about the crucifixion about what the women reported and what Peter saw. They're trying to put all the pieces together to reason it all out. No matter how hard they tried, though, they just couldn't put the puzzle together. All the pieces were there, and I think they knew all the pieces were there, but they couldn't make sense of it. But if you would have seen them walking and talking, going on and on, and you were walking the same way, you would have tried to listen in. So it's no surprise that a stranger draws near and asks them what they're talking about. Now we know from Luke that this is Jesus, but God didn't allow them to recognize Jesus, which is remarkable. They were with Jesus for his whole earthly ministry. If Cleopas was his uncle, then he knew Jesus since he was a child. Yet they didn't recognize how he walked or how he talked. They didn't recognize his clothes or his face or his hair because God kept them from recognizing him. Still, Jesus' question surprises Cleopas, because only someone who lived under a rock didn't know about what had happened over those past few days. But Jesus pushes him on. He who is crucified pushes these disciples who don't recognize him. He pushes them to say more, saying, What things? Now, why would Jesus push them like that? And did you know the disciples' answer? The disciples said, Jesus was a man. Not God and man, just a man, a prophet, not a redeemer. He was one mighty in word and deed, but not he who is the word. One who died and was conquered, not one who ruled. Even as the truth of the women's testimony and Peter seeing the empty tomb and the prophecy of the third day stared at these two disciples, and you could tell it created a tension in their heart, still they didn't get it. All the pieces were there, but they didn't get it. These disciples, they weren't rejecting Jesus' teachings or the women's testimony or what Peter saw or the prophecies, but their reason, their corrupted reason, could only take them so far. So with two simple questions, Jesus gets them to confess all their doubts, all their unbelief, all their sin. This is a confession of their sin. Whether they realize it or not, I don't know, but they are confessing their unbelief, their sin. 
Then after they confess, Jesus calls them foolish and slow of heart to believe, which seems harsh, but not when you realize what he's doing. He's turning them away from their sins and to himself. He's absolving them. Then Jesus, still a stranger to them, teaches them how to read the scriptures, how the scriptures must be read to see his suffering and entering into glory. In that order, suffering, then glory. To put it another way, he's telling them that the scripture must be read through the lens of Christ crucified and resurrected. And as Jesus teaches them, as he preaches to them, their hearts burn within them because his words convict them and forgive them. And it puts all the pieces together. As night draws nigh, they finally reach Emmaus. Jesus pretends he's going further, but he knows what the fruit of his word will produce in these disciples. So the men invite him into their home. More than that, they strongly urge him into their home. They're tugging on his clothes. They're putting their arm around him. They want him to come inside. They call him into their home. Then, once in, the strangest of things happens. Jesus, this stranger, takes over as host. And it's odd because I don't know of any husband or father that would let a stranger come into his house and take his place at head of the table. But that's what Jesus does. This stranger takes over as host without a word of complaint from the disciples. And as host, he then blesses the bread and the wine And then God immediately opened their eyes and saw who this stranger really was, their crucified Lord. Now, our translation this morning says that Jesus, just as quickly as they recognized him, then vanished. But he didn't go anywhere. He was still right there in his flesh and blood with the bread and wine that they held in their hands and ate with their mouths. You see, Christ never left them on the way, but was with them the entire way as a stranger in confession and absolution, in preaching and in the supper. Are we and our experiences really that much different than these disciples? Perhaps the reason Luke left one of these disciples unnamed is so that we could see that we are just like them. We are in their place. Think about it. All that change and emotion in the past several years has been difficult. It's easy to blame these two disciples for not putting all the pieces together and still doubting, but we hear the gospel every Sunday ourselves, and we can read it every day ourselves. Yet as tough times came and vacancies came and went, didn't it feel like you could leave the church just like these disciples left Jerusalem? When you were vacant without a pastor, weren't there times you asked yourself, like these disciples, why stay? It probably felt, at times, like Jesus was gone. What more, then, was keeping you here? During our struggles, are we any better at putting the puzzle together with our reason as these disciples are? Didn't all those times and emotions lead to lively discussions in the congregation as all of you tried to put the pieces together to figure it out? Did the scriptures during those times always make sense? Did the cross always seem helpful? We said earlier 
that you went through eight pastors in 16 years, now nine pastors. When each pastor, whether they were vacancy pastors or called pastors, came in, what did you see? What you saw, wasn't it nothing more than a stranger that walked in and talked differently than the last guy who had a different face and different hair, a different walk, a different talk? Just another stranger in a collar who seemed oblivious to the tough times and emotions you went through? Yet, what did each stranger do? Each stranger came in and they played host, didn't they? They heard your confession, your doubts, your unbelief, your sins, and they absolved you. They preached Christ crucified to you. They served you at the table. They taught you the scriptures. Isn't it remarkable? All nine strangers came in and played host in the exact same way. The truth is, just like with these two disciples, there is more happening in the divine service than meets our undiscerning eyes. The truth is that while we see strangers in clericals and albs, It's really Christ himself who has been walking with you this whole way, forgiving your sins, preaching to you, serving you his body and blood in this supper through these strangers. Every year, through every change, through every emotion, it has been Christ here with you. You see, Christ never left you on the way but was with you the entire way, working through every ordained stranger in confession and absolution, in preaching and in the supper. Right now, I am that man that Christ has brought into the pastoral office at Christ the King. And that's exciting. And today we should be glad. But eventually, the excitement of a new pastor will fade away. You'll start to notice, if you haven't already, that I am flawed. That I come to church with my own doubts and unbelief, that I'm a sinner too. Paul says he is the chief of sinners. And that's scripture. So then, at best, I can be close second. (laughs) And that's that's what I confess. I'm a close second to being the chief of sinners. And any stability we may have together... It can only last so long. Eventually through moves, retirement, or death, or Christ coming again, which we pray for, eventually my time as pastor will end. In many ways, I'm just another stranger in a clerical. On my own, I am nothing. But Christ crucified, who works through every ordained stranger that has stood in this pulpit, he is everything. We don't put our trust and hope in men or in the excitement of the moment because men sin and moments end. Instead, our faith is in Christ crucified, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, who never changes, whose promises are always true, who forgives us and, on this long, long journey of constant change, leads us home. Eventually, We will either come to the evening of our lives or of the evening of all time. This eighth day will end. The clock will strike midnight and we will either meet our dying breath or see Jesus come again. Then at the end of the day, 
we will look back and see, and our eyes will be opened. Then we will not remember the face of Pastor McGinley or any other pastor that baptized, preached, or distributed the Lord's Supper. At that time, when we look back, we will remember only the face of Christ, who has been with us this whole way. Because that is when he will wipe away the last tear from our eye and bring us to his eternal heavenly feast. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another, as ye walk and are sad? Alleluia!
What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another, as ye walk and are sad? Alleluia! O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O God, who in the Paschal Feast has bestowed restoration upon the people, continue unto your people your heavenly gift, that they may both attain unto perfect freedom and advance unto life eternal. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Abide with us, Lord, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. Abide with us and with your whole church. Abide with us in the evening of the day, in the evening of life, in the evening of the world. Abide with us in your grace and mercy, in your holy word and sacrament, in your comfort and your blessing. Abide with us in the night of distress and fear, in the night of doubt and temptation, in the night of bitter death, when these shall overtake us. Abide with us and with all your faithful ones, O Lord, in time and in eternity. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls, and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.